This portion of the program brought to you by our good friends at Bud Light. Bud Light hard soda as well. Seltzer with a pop of flavor. The soda is so good. Loudest flavors ever. And they've got the classic cola, cherry, citrus uh, soda, orange soda. They've got it all. Bud Light has done it right. They do it without any sugar as well. Check out our friends at Bud Light. Glad to have them on board as always. Now, uh, we want to talk some college hoops as we get into the, uh, well, we'll say the second dose, we'll say, of uh, college basketball, the second weekend of college basketball. When it comes to the NCAA tournament, you got the Sweet 16. And to talk more about it, our buddy John Fanta, he is with uh, the Big East. He does play-by-play on Fox. You can find him on Twitter at John underscore Fanta. John, how you doing, pal? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Bill. It's terrific to be with you and how sweet it is. Sweet 16 is here, my friend. It is uh, It is awesome. I love this time of year. It is painful as a Badger fan not to see the Badgers there. Let's start there. The Badgers ended up getting ousted. We all know the reasons. You know, once uh, Chucky Hepburn went down with the ankle injury, which was pretty gruesome and ugly, and they just couldn't move the basketball. But what should we what, what should we look at this season, outside looking in from your perspective, what should we look at this season as, as far as, uh, you know, Wisconsin basketball goes? Because most of the, you know, most of the experts picked them to finish anywhere from 7 to 10 in the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I think that when you look at, this season for Wisconsin, it has to be regarded as more of a success than it is a disappointment. Obviously, the, the ending's disappointing, but let's face it, this was a team that was thought to be an afterthought in the Big Ten. People did not think that this would be a team that would go deep in the NCAA tournament, and when we entered the NCAA tournament, the thought was that they could, and the fact is they didn't. The Hepburn injury was a, a killer, and they just they never had a ton of consistency from that supporting cast beyond Johnny Davis to be able to say, yes, they can get to a final four because you can rely on these guys game in and game out. It's a sad ending for Brad Davison. He gave his, his life to Wisconsin and you can sense the pride that he has. His leadership should be regarded in a, in a high way uh, because the way that he led this team it can't be fully accounted for on a stat sheet or a box score. And Johnny Davis has been the best player in college basketball for my money. So, look, it's a, it's disappointing to have a, a first weekend exit. And the bigger picture thought is it's disappointing, Bill, because the Big Ten has had back-to-back disappointing tournaments, and you have two teams now. You've had a combined 18 bids the past two years and you've only had three teams out of those 18 make the second weekend. So what I look at with Wisconsin is it's a season that should be regarded more of a success than a failure, but this is the time of year that you get judged on, and the fact is the Badgers had the capabilities to get to this second weekend, but it shows you the variance of the NCAA tournament. You never know when you could have that terrible injury or that that back-breaking moment in a season, and it just so happened that it came last weekend for Wisconsin. Getting into tonight's game, uh, the lowest seed is Michigan. Michigan right now on a bit of a roll. They get Juan Howard back after the suspension. Uh, they, they, they're playing some good basketball, but they also are facing a really tough Villanova team coming up tonight. You've got a couple of number ones. You've got a number two, two number twos, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, a number three, a number four, and then a number 11 thrown into the mix. A lot of good college hoops, but the game we're interested in is Michigan and Villanova. Give me your thoughts on that contest. Well, I think that Michigan's size is the key to watch here and how much Michigan uses that size to expose Villanova on the interior. 
this is a situation where Hunter Dickinson, who's been on a roll, he's playing at an All-American level, the level that we expected out of him back in November, he combined for 48 points and 17 rebounds in the two wins last week for the Wolverines. And I just look at Michigan, if they could get Musa Diabate going with Dickinson, they can give Villanova some issues. You have to make it a physical game against Villanova. You have to, and you have to defend the perimeter. Because here's the deal. If you don't defend the perimeter, Bill, Villanova averages nine threes per game, and when they hit a three, it feels like six because they just seem to feed off of that momentum. And Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore are interchangeable, and who's that leading scorer? Moore went for 21 in the first round, went over Delaware. Gillespie followed up with 20 in the second round, went over Ohio State. You're talking about a veteran-laden Villanova team with multiple super seniors against a Michigan team that, frankly, is younger and is a team that's had their ups and downs on the offensive end of the floor. So Eli Brooks is going to have to score the ball. You, you can't have an off performance from Brooks. I just wonder here, can Michigan make this a game decided in the low 60s, even, even the high 50s? Get this stat. Villanova this year is 27-4 and four when they score more than 60 points in a the game. They're 1-3. and three when they don't Michigan's got to muck it up to win this game. If they don't muck it up, I don't know if they have enough scoring to beat the Wildcats. The, uh, the contest, a lot of people are interested in Texas tech. Can they get past Duke? Will this be Mike Krzyzewski's last game? Give me your thoughts on that matchup as well. I think that tonight will be Mike Krzyzewski's final game as a Duke head coach. Do you? You're pretty, you're calling your shot. I like it. I'm calling my shot. I'm bringing it this morning. I just had a cup of coffee before coming on with you, and there <laughs> must have been something in that caffeine this morning to say it's time to make a bold prediction. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You have a situation where Texas Tech is a top 30 defensive team, according to Ken Pomeroy. Duke has faced one team all season that they could say that about. So the, the thing, Bill, is when Duke gets defended at a high level, they have had trouble generating offense consistently. Jeremy Roach had a, a great game against Michigan State. If Roach doesn't play well, Duke loses that game. And the fact is Duke's backcourt has been too inconsistent for me to love them to make the Final Four, for me to love their ceiling as a, as a potential national champion. Texas Tech is going to take away the middle. They're going to defend the heck out of Duke. And, and – the fact is, fair or not to these players, and Mike Krzyzewski alluded to this in a press conference yesterday, the fact is this, Duke has the biggest target on their back of any team in sports right now because they've got the guy who's a, a living legend, who's the all-time winner, and these kids on the other side of this matchup want to be the ones to put it to an end, to, to say that they could do that. Texas Tech has dudes. I've seen them live a couple times. Kevin McCuller, Kevin O'Banner. They're going to make Duke work for everything Duke gets. The question is not whether Texas Tech can stop Duke. The question is, can Texas Tech score the basketball effectively? Scoring for them was hard to come by against Notre Dame. But I think the Red Raiders are going to come out guns ablazing in this game. I think they could get an early lead. And I just have a gut feeling that tonight is Texas Tech's night. Mark Adams has done a great job with this ball club. I like the Red Raiders because I think they can guard Duke for 40 minutes, 
And I think when you play a big game, sometimes scoring just presents itself. You're able, you're able to, to have that guy who normally goes for eight points a game give you 14 or 15. They need, Texas Tech needs a great performance out of Terrence Shannon here this evening, and they need Adonis Arms. Adonis Arms is a guy that's got to step up. He's a JUCO transfer who's been counted out in his career. If you're a guy who's been counted out, you live, you hope and dream that you can meet Duke. Tonight, Adonis Arms could be the best player in this game. Got John Fanta play-by-play for Fox uh, College Hoops on on uh, on on Fox, I should say at John underscore Fanta. Real quick, tomorrow's games. You got a fifteen in St. Peter's taking on Purdue. You got Iowa State, Miami. You got some. You got some teams we didn't expect to be this far. North Carolina taking on UCLA. Give me. I know you got two minutes. Give me your thoughts real quick on uh, the games coming up tomorrow. Hey, I'm enjoying this conversation. I can give you three or four. Uh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> okay. This is, this is a situation tomorrow where you have the ultimate Cinderella in St. Peter's. Just to reflect for a moment on them, the enrollment of that school is around 2,000, actually, Bill. The, the tuition is about 10, 11,000 a year. That school, the campus is two blocks. It's two blocks in Jersey City. I am not kidding you when I say this. You wouldn't know some of the campus buildings from Project Housing. Like, that's what we're talking about with this college campus. This is a university campus, and that's what we're speaking about. What they have done in the last 10 days, I talked with people at the university this week because I live in Jersey, so I I took a visit over to the campus. This has been the university's defining moment in their history. Like, think about that, the defining moment. They have made, but when this is all said and done, for the university, they're benefiting by the millions of dollars, they couldn't even scratch a million nor look for it two weeks ago. It's an incredible Cinderella story. It's what March Madness is about. Here you have Shaheen Holloway, who once upon a time when he made a commitment in, out of high school, he committed to Seton Hall University over Duke. Mike Krzyzewski wanted him. He picked Jersey. Now he picks Jersey again, coaching St. Peter's, and he's going to pick Jersey next week or the week after, whenever St. Peter's is eliminated, because for all intents and purposes, he's the next coach at Seton Hall. He's been on himself. He's overcome doubt. His team reflects that, Doug Eddard and Casey and Defco. That being said, size can be overwhelming. Purdue's size will be overwhelming. There is not a team out of these 16 teams that has more of a, of a, a microscope on them heading into this weekend than, in my opinion, Purdue. This is the moment for Purdue. This is the moment for them to get to a Final Four. It's as good a moment as they're ever going to have. There's no time like the present for this program. You think about Jaden Ivey. You think about Zach Eady and Travion Williams. Between the size, between the raw talent of Ivey, and between their three-point shooting, they're going to get past St. Peter's, and they're going to meet North Carolina or UCLA. Now, North Carolina's playing a lot closer to a two or a three seed than they are coming out of an 8-9 game, but... For Purdue, this is their time. That's what I look at with with this weekend in the East Regional. And that's why I think Purdue, for for their program, it's a crowning moment for them to get to a Final Four under Matt Payne or something they have not done. On the other side tomorrow night, uh, when you're talking about the Midwest, you have Kansas, who I think they have the easiest of the draws out of the, the one seeds left. But... Don't count out Providence. They're 27-5 and five for a reason. They've had a historic year. They match up pretty well with Kansas. 
And I think this will be a very competitive game. The matchup to watch is Ochai Agbaji for Kansas against Justin Manaya for Providence and the way Manaya can defend. And I think that the element of tempo is really important because Kansas is going to want to run. Providence would prefer to slow it down. So who wins that battle with tempo will be interesting. And then you have Miami and Iowa State. What a story Iowa State is. Mm -hmm. Two wins last year. T.J. Otzelberger's had a great year. Uh, I think that, that Miami, with their guard play, it makes for a great matchup between those two teams. Uh, but make no mistake about it, I think heading into tomorrow, Bill, for Kansas and Purdue, this is their weekend for these two programs. The draw certainly shakes out pretty well, in my opinion. Yep, no doubt about it. John, I know you got to run, man. Thanks so much for the time, and I appreciate all the insight and the information. And the bold pick, you calling your shot, I'll give you all the credit in the world later tonight. Thanks so much, Bill. Appreciate you having me. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. There you go. John Fanta, he uh, does play-by-play on Fox. He does the Big East. He's a college basketball analyst. Great to get him on the program. And he called his shot. This, tonight, tonight is where uh, it all ends, unfortunately, for Coach K. He's calling his shot. There you go. Uh, Apologize about the sound on the Bud Light live stream. It is now back. So uh, thanks to those of you for uh, letting us know about it. It all came back. Sometimes, you know, a technical glitch happens, a wire falls out, and that's all it takes. So my apologies. But it is all fixed now. So let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. We'll come back, reset, get back into the program, talk a little football. We've got some uh, leftover when it comes to free agency football, that type of thing. And I had made a statement yesterday. I'm not going to retract it. But I'm going to tell you why I'm not, because I had some people come after me. I had a buddy of mine who lives. Well, yeah, I'll tell you about it. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Glad you're with us. Bill Michael Show, we continue on. And uh, this portion of the program brought to you by good friends over there at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. If you are looking for a window, if you're looking for a door, if you're looking for an entry door system, patio door, whatever it happens to be, uh, good people, they got all kinds of different choices too. They got two different types of uh, budget friendly and economical. Vinyl. Then they have the Impervia, which is really strong. It's like a really, really strong um, fiberglass window. And then there is the wood windows. And from contemporary to tra- uh, to traditional, they've got it all. And they look good. They match the interior. They have different hardwares, sliding screen or sliding windows, roll screens. They've got all kinds of innovations. Whatever it is you're looking for. Uh, and oh, by the way, you get the value back in your home. Uh, if you ever decide to sell your home, it is, they're just fantastic. So get a hold of our friends at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. And uh, by all means, um, g- you know, give them a shout. 855-PELLA-WI, 855-PELLA-WI. Right now, uh, through Pella Windows and Doors, the ad that they have through the end of the month, or the deal that they have through the end of the month, is uh, 18 months, no payments, and no interest, or 300 bucks off each window, 700 bucks off of a entry door system, or $1,000 off of a patio door. So 
check out uh, check out Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Again, 855-PELLA-WI, 855-P-E-L-L-A, 855-PELLA-WI, or go to PellaWI.com. That is PellaWI.com. There you go. Um, Mark says, uh, again, uh, the whole thing about um, Metcalf and, and I – I have not heard anything specific from any reputable source that says that the Packers are pursuing this. Does it mean they're not? No, of course not. I'm sure that Brian Gutekunst right now is doing his due diligence to try to, you know, to try to, uh, you know, figure out whether or not they're going to be able to find a trade for a a top-notch wide receiver. And you got to look at a team that may not be contending, that may be in the midst of a rebuild. That's what you do. So I'm sure they're looking around. Absolutely. 100%. 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, feel free. And we'll talk more about that coming up in a little bit. In the meantime, uh, let's get to the phone and talk to our guy over there on hold, the guy that has the story about the Devontae Adams that came out in the Journal Sentinel today, Tom Silverstein of the Journal Sentinel joining us. Tom, how you doing? Good, good. How are you, Bill? Good. Uh, so let, let me ask you this, because I read your story, and my very first thought was if Devontae kind of that, that that chasm was really big going into the season, it didn't get any smaller, Devontae didn't want to come back, why did Rodgers say he was waiting on Devontae? Why do you think? I'm not really sure. Uh, maybe he was hoping that he would change his mind, or I think Rodgers knew um, at – maybe the point that he was on one of those McAfee shows that Adams was pretty um, adamant about wanting to go to the Raiders. And, you know, franchise tag might have bought the Packers some more time and and maybe they convinced him to stay. So maybe that's it. But I don't know that for a fact. I honestly don't know why he said that. Uh, but he did know that Adams's preference was to leave. So, uh, you know, he, he ended up signing his deal anyway. The, uh, now, you know, the Packers obviously have to move forward. So no Devante, they are back and forth as to whether or not MVS uh, could end up back in the fold. No Equinemia St. Brown. Uh, what do you think happens? Do you think they are out there right now doing due diligence, trying to make a trade? Yeah, I think they probably are. I think they're both looking at the free agents who are left. They're exploring trade possibilities. And I think they're going to invest a lot in the receiver position in the draft and, you know, see if they can get a Justin Jefferson type guy who can help them right away. I think that's primary. But I don't think they're going to try to find Devontae Adams. I mean, they're, they're not going to find Devontae Adams. They have to find a way to uh, spread his contribution out uh, into various sources. So, you know, this re-signed Robert Tanyan, that's going to be uh, someone that they're going to rely on once he's back from the ACL. Uh, you know they're going to rely heavily on their run game. And then they've got to they gotta get some receivers with some explosiveness and go from there. 
Looking at the, the 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 depth of the draft, and I'm hearing a lot about obviously first round wide receivers, and they keep talking about how deep this is. I don't see a lot of guys that are going to be big impact players. I see maybe seven at the top, and after that, there's good receivers, but nobody that overwhelmingly stands out. So you would assume, if if I'm you know if I'm reading the tea leaves correctly, they're going to either one make a deal to go out and get a number one, and then find another receiver or two in the draft, or they trade up and. They really like stock equity, Tom. So do they, because it's more of a go for it now or in the next two years type of situation, do they go for it and, and, and trade up, do you think? Um, I think it, it really depends. The problem is, is there's not like a Jamar Chase type guy who you know immediately is going to have an impact. He's just that good. There, there's just not that guy in the draft. So the the wide receiver class is good probably after the first round, maybe second round, third round, fourth round. And then they've made a living out of getting guys in the second round, and some of those guys have contributed right away, including Greg Jennings and Adams, um, Nelson a little bit, Cobb. I, I think that they will probably just have to weigh – uh, the situation. The thing we don't know is who do they like? You know, do they like Chris Olaf for for instance? You know, a guy with blazing speed and good production and a real good a smart football mind. You know, is that the kind of guy they like? Maybe they don't like him. So we we don't really know. And I I don't think they're going to. Um, I I think they're not going to team the two first rounders to move up. I think. To move up, they might take the first one of the first rounders and maybe one of their other picks, maybe one mm-hmm. of their other um, fourths, or maybe one of the seconds, and try to move up. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was an impact defensive player, you know, if it was an edge right. rusher or a defensive lineman or you know someone who can push their defense to the next level. I uh, I was just saying that, that I think uh, the top three things that I could look at would be obviously wide receiver and then an edge rusher, a defensive lineman, um, maybe a little more offensive line depth, but I don't think you need to go high in the draft for that. But uh, And beyond that, I, they're pretty solid. How do you like, speaking of interior linemen, Jerron Reed, how do you like the Jerron Reed signing? I think that's a, a solid signing. I, I think he'll give them uh, – he, he's experienced. He gives them experience. He has some, you know, third down pass rush ability, but he gives them uh, a little more flexibility. And they had—they frankly had to replace a guy like Kingsley Kiki. He was in their rotation. Um, they got down on him and decided to let him go. And so they, they had a void in their rotation. That doesn't mean they won't take a defensive lineman, but they like Slayton a lot. He's really athletic. So they have some numbers there. Lowry's still there. I don't know if they'll bring back Lancaster. Uh, I, I think Reed could help them. You know, it kind of depends on what kind of shape he comes in and if he's motivated. The uh, the other, the rest of the defense, bringing back Rasul Douglas, I wasn't sure that that was going to happen, but bringing him back and giving them depth in the secondary, I think a really, really solid move. Do they have more secondary depth that they would like to go after, or is that just basically through the draft, do you think? Yeah, I think it would be through the draft. I think they're in pretty good shape in the secondary. Uh, 
is they've got, you know, three starting corners, which how many teams have that? I mean, really starting uh, caliber corners. I, I do think you got to keep drafting corners. I think you could never have too many as, you know, they they found out they took Stokes and that turned out being probably the best thing they could have done because Alexander got hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think they're going to bring back Chan and Sullivan. So they will be in the hunt for a corner. Uh, it's just, there's not a lot of need for that guy to play right away. The, uh, the contract that was given to Tariq Hill after this is after Devonte signs. Um, I mean, I know Con- Devonte was looking for the money. I mean, I'm sure he's probably sitting there going, what the heck at this point, but it was a, for people that don't understand. I was trying to explain it early. It was a different situation because the Packers knew Devonte wasn't coming back. He gave them basically one option, two options. He wasn't either going to play or he was going to go to, to Las Vegas. There wasn't an option there. Whereas the Tariq Hill signing and what went on there was because they had choices and they had him under contract, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, if you look at the compensation, I would take what the Packers got for Adams over what um, Kansas City got for Hill every day of the week. Uh, You can't – a first and a second uh, is extremely valuable. And so I think think it – you know, Kansas City got a lot of picks, and those fourth-rounders are really going to be valuable in this draft, but I still would want to – first and second and as for for pay you know adams is 30 years old and he knows that and his agent knows that and Mm -hmm. you know they're banking on a three-year deal make as much as they can and where hill is you know he's still in his prime and you know he could be around for a number of years so i mean that's kind of the difference as to where the salaries came in what made things so irreparable for Devontae and the organization? I don't think it was irreparable. I think it was, uh, here's a guy who's age 30. Uh, he's played, you know, great football here. Green Bay was in a situation where, um, from a cap standpoint, they were tight from uh, uncertainty standpoint. All during the season, they had no idea whether Rodgers would be back. And I think um, Adams had no idea what Rodgers would commit to. Even after the season was over, he didn't know what Rodgers was co- going to commit to. And I think in his mind, half of it was, you know, I put in all the risk in playing this season without a new contract. Packers, either you pay me, you know, Uh, a ransom or I'm just going to go play where I really know I'm wanted and really feel comfortable and I'm closer to home and I'm playing with my best friend. You know, I think he chose um, comfort at the end of his career. He, He took what he thought was the best situation for him. Yeah, it's uh, it's a shame that he wanted to go, and now what the Packers have to do, especially in a year. Is there really right now, Tom, when you look at this team, everybody feels like they're right on the cusp of winning a Super Bowl or getting there. Is it just a matter of a couple of wide receivers, or is, is there another glaring weakness that you can look at and go, that's probably going to be the Achilles heel? I, I think they have to get 
a starting tackle and build some depth on the offensive line. You know, they lost Turner or they, they cut Turner. They lost Lucas Patrick. They've got some young guys there that they like, but I wouldn't be surprised if they used the, one of those picks and maybe even moved up for a tackle, uh, a guy they could plug mm-hmm. and play right away at right tackle. You know, just a big behemoth type guy to, to help their run game and and then just go from there. But, uh, I, yeah, they got to they gotta solidify that. Um, they have to, whether it's a tight end or a wide receiver or whatever, they have to build up the wide receiver core. There's no question. But, you know, you've also seen when Rodgers plays the system and doesn't necessarily favor anybody, he still can be successful. I mean, what mm-hmm. were they, 7-0 and without Adams? Yeah. Yep. Uh, when he didn't play, he's forced to play the system, and he's pretty good when he, play, when he sticks to the system. No doubt. Tom, good stuff, man. I appreciate it. And uh, the article is, uh, is a blast. We'll keep re- retweeting it. And I appreciate you coming on in the last minute, okay? You got it. No problem. Take care, Bill. Thanks so much, Tom. There you go. Tom Silverstein of the Journal Sentinel joining us for a couple of minutes and uh, kind of explaining it. It was just a lot of uncertainty, money. Uh, again, I talked a little bit about it yesterday. It's It's not that it was anything on purpose. It was the unintentional consequence of the ripple effect of what was going on with, with, with Aaron Rodgers and the money and bringing him back and not bringing him back and what was going on that led to what was going on uh, with Devontae Adams and to the point where Adams just said, nope, not, not going to come back, not going to do it. I want to go, uh, go back out to uh, Vegas and see his guy and play for the team that he grew up rooting for. So not one specific thing, but just a, a buildup of things. I guess. Uh, so good stuff. Uh, 877-867-1670. You want to hit us up? Feel free to go ahead and do so. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Show still to come. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at the Social House, H-A-U-S. A lot of big screen TVs. The uh, new edition getting ready to officially open. So if you're going to head out tonight, you want to watch the game, you want to get some good food because their kitchen is now back open. They've expanded. They continue to grow, and they're they're still kind of prepping for the new unveiling. But that place is really coming along. Check out Dan Dell and the great staff over at the Social House, Lisbon Road in Menominee Falls. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.